You're listening to a Big Finish production. Big Finish presents Doctor Who, Subscriber Short Trips, The Beast of Muir by Nicole Pettit, read by John Banks. Leela stalked through the dense jungle of her homeworld, her footsteps masked by the sound of a nearby river. Even during dangerous hunts, she felt at peace in the wilds. There was comfort in the rich scent of earth and wood. So too in the roughness of her knife's hilt, in the sharp cries of birds and the siren of a spaceship. Leela's eyes snapped open, pulled sharply out of her dream. The river's drone changed into the hum of engines, the tree bark into dry wooden panels. At least she still had her knife. She gripped the hilt tighter as she sprang from her chair. The alarm fell silent. Nothing to worry about, Leela. Just a temporal pothole. All sorted now. The doctor strode around the ship's center console, long scarf trailing behind, watching as the lights changed from one strange color to another in a pattern Leela still couldn't comprehend. She glared at the lights. The doctor turned from studying his ship's controls to studying her. Something the matter. Those wise old eyes seemed to peer right into her. No. Leela stabbed the tip of her blade into the console's railing. Nothing the matter but you stab my railing. That's an antique. Do you know how old that is? No. No, neither do I. He paused, leaning on the railing. Are you happy here, Leela? She stiffened, struggling to find the words. Everywhere we land, Doctor, it is spaceships with many corridors... And when our job is done, we return to another spaceship with an endless maze of corridors. Would you like to go back home? No. I could never go back to the old ways. Not after what you have shown me. I do not fit in there. I am not sure I fit in here, either. The TARDIS is as much home for you as it is for me, Leela. But I think some air would do us both good. Shake off the cabin fever. Leela lifted a hand to her forehead and announced, I do not have a fever, Doctor. She reached up to check his forehead, but he spun away, his scarf wrapping itself around the console railing. A figure of speech. He tugged at his scarf, but it wouldn't budge. Now, the question is, where should we go? Leela pulled her knife free and approached his scarf, intent on rescuing him her way. But with another sharp tug, he freed himself and continued pacing around the console. She followed, eyes trailing the scarf, blade at the ready. Aha! Muir, the doctor exclaimed, as if the word held the answer to all the mysteries of the universe. Muir, she echoed. Yes, yes, the planet Muir. Named after the father of national parks himself. Glorious, he boomed, then leaned in confidentially. That was his favorite word. He would write it all over his journals as he explored. You would have liked him. In the late 19th century, they realized Earth's resources were not infinite, and John Muir led the charge to save the wild. Thanks to him, your people took those lessons to the stars. In time, they named a preserve planet after him. It's wild and unsullied, filled with animals and trees, and no corridors. Just as he'd have liked. Shall we visit, Leela? 
I hear the spring of 3257 is glorious, Leela asked with a smile. Quite, he grinned back. When Leela stepped out of the TARDIS doors a few minutes later, she didn't find the pristine wilderness the doctor promised. Instead, what she found was cramped, dark and musty. It set her teeth on edge. Doctor, this cannot be Muir. It very well is. Probably a ranger station or a visitor center. The untamed wild is just outside. He strode confidently past, kicking aside a few boxes as he went and swung open the door. Perhaps he expected a vista. What he got instead was chaos in a cramped corridor. Leela gave a frustrated hiss at the all-too-familiar surroundings. To the right, a thick trail of slime led out of a set of broken doors. Well, just outside another door or two. He stepped out and read a nearby sign. It's a quarantine, Leela. Whatever they had in here, they were keeping it in isolation. Why would they need to keep things isolated on Muir? Well, animals do get sick. They might need to separate one while they work out what's wrong. Make sure none of the rest catches it while they work. He sounded confident, but Leela sensed doubt in his tone. She glanced back towards the TARDIS, but the mystery of this place had already sunk its teeth into her. She made her way to the doctor and began to inspect the doors. She ran a hand over the edges, which were covered in gashes. Something with claws forced this open. The doctor found himself confronted by a poster. He leaned in, nose nearly touching the paper. Bright colours dominated the page. An ochre circle floated in a field of royal blue. Artistic representations of animals lined up in solidarity. Leela recognised none of them. Three words ran across the top. Observe, study, maintain. Below it read, Thanks to you, we preserve the galaxy for future generations. The doctor hummed. Humans do love to plaster their values on the wall. Very useful. Leela made her way past shattered tables and scattered instruments to a cell. She could not imagine any creature enjoying such a place. The electric key panel beside the door blinked. I do not think their door worked. She went from the cell to where something lay on the floor. And this, Doctor. They tried to hold it back with a spear, but it does not have a point. She picked it up and turned the switch. A blue-white bzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzz
Leela picked up the com, only for the doctor to snatch it from her hand. Hello, I'm the doctor, and this is Leela. We're catching up on the situation. My friend here is a bit lost. She seems to think this isn't the planet Muir. Could you tell us where we are and what year it is? There was a pause on the other end, then a slow, hesitant answer. Muir? 3457. The doctor glanced at Leela with a smug sort of smile. Wrong year, doctor, she hissed. The voice over the comm continued. How did you gain access to this facility and this channel? As Leela searched the second guard's body, the doctor breezed past the first question. I'm afraid we found a couple of your guards. Whatever escaped quarantine, Subject 6, I presume, made quick work of them. What sort of work were you doing here? Isn't Muir a nature preserve? Never mind that. Subject 6 is a dangerous animal, and if what you're saying is correct, it's loose. We've set up a safe zone in administration. Another voice interrupted. Have either of you seen a scientist? His name is Jeremy. He's the only member of my team missing. Leela finally found what she was looking for, the other guard's comm. She turned it on and answered, We have not found this member of your tribe, but we will. Quite right, Leela. Observation Lead began to protest, but Leela cut her off with a sharp command. We will keep these communication devices, but do not contact us again. We must be quiet on this hunt. With that, she hooked the comm onto her belt and began to follow the slime once more. Follow me then, Leela, he called, chasing after her. In the distance, a guttural bellow reverberated through the passage. Low and powerful, the sound rattled in Leela's chest. It set her heart racing, pulling her away from a world of slick walls and metal pipes to somewhere primal. Subject six, the doctor mused. Can't be too far off. We should be quiet. Don't want to tip it off. Leela cast him a long-suffering glance and gave a curt nod. Stick behind me, he whispered, sneaking forward. Leela chafed at how slowly he crept, but she couldn't hope to move past him in such close quarters. Another bellow. The doctor stopped short, whispering, What do you think it's doing? Warning everyone away. We must be quiet, Leela reminded him, patience strained. Right, right. He crept forward once more, but she could not ignore his question. Leela often lacked the words for what her experience had taught her, and even lost in her own thoughts, she struggled to express what she knew. That was no warning call. It didn't send the right shivers down her spine. It was not a call for defending its home. It was not proud enough. Doctor, she whispered, tugging on his scarf. Doctor, that is no warning. It is searching. The beast is lost. It is calling for its pack. This time the beast gave a burbling, bubbling hiss. Leela felt her hair stand on end. That was a warning. Leela pushed past the doctor, drawing her knife. I tell you not to run off, then off you go. If she heard him, she didn't react. Her eyes fixed on the creature's slimy trail. It grew thinner and thinner, as if it might be drying up. Surely that would make it weaker, but harder to track. The beast's constant calls helped, but the sound alone could prove misleading in the winding halls. The trail led to a set of double doors set on a track, pried open much like the ones in quarantine. Leela stepped inside. For the first time in what felt like ages, Leela felt the warmth of sunlight. 
She glanced up through the panelled glass ceiling, getting her first glimpse of the Muir the Doctor had promised her. The ceiling stretched on for miles, and with it the sky, clear and blue, stopped only by a towering mountain range. On her home planet, the jungles had been so thick she had rarely seen past the canopy. To her left, beyond the glass, were deep, colourful pools of water. Steam rose off the surface. So many human structures work against the land. But look at those geysers. We're sitting on top of them. They're powering everything. And this greenhouse, it's a hydroponic garden, the doctor said. Hydro? Leela asked, turning to him with a quizzical glance. They're growing local plants without soil here. To observe, study and maintain, I'd presume. Look. He gestured to tall, dual-pronged corkscrews. Festooned with plants, they turned lazily in their place. For a moment, Leela wished she could be outside, surrounded by Muir's untamed glories. The plants here seemed healthy enough in their containers, but she preferred real earth under her feet. Except for the plants themselves, everything inside stood out in a stark plastic white. The beast's bellows made even the plant shiver. Leela closed her eyes and went still, straining for any clue as to where the creature might be. The doctor leaned into one particular plant, its deep blue leaves thick and flat. He was careful not to touch their spiked edges. Oh, you aren't from around here, are you? You're quite too dangerous for such a place. Do they know how deadly you are? They must. I should pluck you out before... Shh! He tried to finish his sentence, but she walked away. Without his audience, he followed. Fragile mechanical arms snaked down from above. Emerging from a hub on the roof, they moved along tracks. It seemed the arms were the gardeners. One jittered in time with the flickering lights. It hovered above the blue plant, then grabbed it out by its roots and shook it to pieces. The doctor looked up. Ah, thank you. Ahead of him, Leela stared at the waves of perfect plants until she found a floor. A tree, its branches broken. Doctor! It has gone this way. She waved from the break in the branches to the ground, indicating the creature's height, about to Leela's hip. Not a small Subject Six, so far as Subject Sixes go, the doctor said. Leela's eyes darted everywhere. It was all too easy to fall into tunnel vision on a hunt, and there was nothing more deadly. The hunter could become the prey. She traced her hands over broken branches and followed in the beast's footsteps. Subject Six made all of the noise carving this trail. She would make none. The path weaved through the garden, as though confused. Was it searching for something? Just ahead, they heard a great crash. She crept to the next turn and peered along the next bend in the wild trail. A panel of the white material had been smashed apart and water gurgled everywhere. Wet tracks slopped away. They feed the plants from the water system below, Leela. Leela nodded. It was seeking water. She followed the trail. A stark white fence with a flat top ran along the left of this path. It gave her an idea. She jumped up, making sure it held her weight. She ran a short distance ahead and caught sight of a thick green trail around an upcoming corner. Turning to motion the doctor on, she saw arms descend from above toward the doctor. Before she could call, two rushed around him, grabbing him. They dragged him off his feet and then yanked him around, first left, then right, then in both directions at once. Leela! She leapt from her perch onto one of the arms, breaking it in two. The severed arm sparked helplessly in the air. 
She rolled into a crouch, then raced to grab the doctor, pulling him out of the remaining arm's grasp. She glanced up. More arms raced toward them. Together, they ran to the nearest refuge, a doorway leading deeper into the facility. The doctor pointed to a new trail. Our friend had the same idea. Further in, then. A warren of uniform grey hallways flared off in every direction, running under the compound. All of this worked in their prey's favour. It no longer called out. The beast learned quickly. But the slime trail persisted. It darted everywhere, and they followed at a cautious pace. Patience was a hunter's greatest virtue, but not one Leela enjoyed. Its trail is not weakening, Doctor. We will not have trouble. And they didn't have trouble. Not until the next intersection. They followed the slime through until it stopped. The doctor shook his head. Indecisive, fellow. Leela gave a low growl. No, this is planned. This beast is trying to confuse us. It crossed its own trail. She retraced their steps, searching carefully for fresh slime. A new sound began, an almighty bass thrum. The lights flickered once, then burned steadily. That would be a generator. Starting it, I believe, would be our missing Jeremy. He dashed on past Leela. They merged into the heart of these tunnels. Many doors led into it, with many massive pumps at its centre. On the far side of the room, Subject 6. In that fleeting moment, Leela took in her prey. A hooked, gaping jaw filled with needle teeth. An eel's head set on a thick neck and thicker body with a long dorsal fin, a coating of slime covering slick skin. An angry red welt stood out on its left shoulder, the result of the guard's shock prod. It walked on all fours, but sturdy hind legs had allowed the beast to push itself almost upright. This was a predator built for swamps, ambushing from murky depths. Lucky for them, then, the beast found itself landlocked. Subject 6 turned its attention toward the pipes running along the room and the scientist cowering beside them in a puddle of coolant. Its head tilted, a strange gleam in the glassy blue eyes. Leela drew her knife and sprang forward, hoping to get between the survivor and the beast. Subject 6 leapt past and hooked the thin pipes in its claws. With one wrench, the whole system fell. The generator gave one final alarm before sputtering and plunging everything into total darkness. Leela struggled to reorientate herself. The beast's claws scraped against the floors in a panic, trying to regain its footing, and Leela rushed there in the dark. As she neared, the beast threw itself into a shaft. Leela gave a furious roar, drowning out the doctor's command, Leela, stay, don't... Too late. She was gone. The doctor sighed. I don't suppose you've run off too, Jeremy? Uh, no. Still here. I don't think I had time to move. She can take care of herself. I believe it's time for a few words with your, uh, observation leader. Jeremy belatedly turned on his torch and led the way to administration. They emerged into a dark series of cubicles lit by stray lanterns. The woman at the centre of the light, flanked by guards, could only be observation lead. The doctor threw himself down into an office chair as though it were a throne. Tell me about your smuggling. I have no idea. Don't be shy. I know what you're growing, and Subject 6 isn't local. She finally smiled. It's an anguil from some planet or another. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You don't know. I never imagined nature preserves or so preserved ignorance. 
We didn't get him ourselves, you see. Muir has many creatures valuable to the exotic animal trade. You could set your watch by how often a poacher's ship flies in to capture a few. I made some an offer. They could bring us beasts, we find uses for them and sell them off. Whoever brings them in gets part of the cut. They've started showing us their off-world catches. It's better that than some rich idiot trying to make one a pet, and it's almost enough money to keep this place running. The doctor snorted. I saw your Foundation's poster. Observe, study, maintain. I think you're doing a very good job of that. Of course I am. She was indignant. Hurting animals to save animals seems terribly counterproductive to me. I'm making the best of a bad situation, Doctor. Would you rather I let Muir's debt leave it open to the hundreds of resorts waiting to set up a tourist trap here? We don't get enough funding anymore. Earth might not care about our work here, but I do. If I have to sacrifice a few beasts to save everything we've worked for, so be it. Save everything? There are better ways to do that, I'm certain, than becoming this. Everything Muir was created to stop, and poor John would have abhorred. Sorry, Doctor. I won't let anyone stop this. She looked to her guards. Take his comm. We bravely captured the lead saboteur before we were forced to kill him and his co-conspirator in self-defense. We'll deal with her when she calls, if Subject 6 hasn't done it for us. Leela plunged into darkness. She bent her knees with the fall, landing silently. She ran her fingers cautiously over the ground. She followed its edge and found water. She traced her hand behind her and found a wall. There was one benefit to the enclosed environment she often found herself in. In the forest, she only had the tools she brought with her. Here, however, tools were provided. She soon found a maintenance cabinet and within it a torch. She flipped it on. A sharp beam sliced through the darkness. She didn't worry about the torch giving her away. The beast could already see her in the dark. This evened her odds. The light revealed she stood on a slim white platform. The water flowed down another curved corridor and out into the darkness beyond her torch's reach. Nothing else to do then. She slid down into the pool, testing its depth. The water rose up to her waist. This meant the beast could swim, giving it even more of an advantage. She gritted her teeth. She was a mighty huntress who had conquered the swamps of her homeworld. She would not be bested in a pool. She waded down the corridor, which opened out into separate, smaller chambers. Moving slowly, her sounds were masked by the water lapping softly against the walls. She had missed the hunt and the electric tension as she stalked her prey, and the peace she felt below that. She was made for this. There was a soft splash to her right, then silence. She whipped the torch around. By the time the light was over that spot, only rippling water remained. She recalled a river hunt of long ago, where she had plucked her prey from below the surface, surprising it. She smiled. Playing her light across the surface of the water, she saw nothing. It was as though she were alone. She took careful steps toward where it had last splashed, mind half-focused on that previous victory. Too late, she realized it was beside her, waiting for her. Subject 6 rushed up, all a blur in the corner of her eye. Distracted as she was, instinct took over. She threw herself back under the water. Subject 6 brushed by her, hissing, and collided with the wall. The torch wasn't waterproof. It strobed on and off, then left her stranded in the dark. She choked. It took a sluggish moment before she broke the surface, stealing great gulps of air. Before Leela afforded herself the luxury of thought, she threw herself down the corridor. The water churned behind her as the beast surged forward. 
She scrambled up onto the platform, facing out with her knife ready. Eyes caught the light from the platform, and they glistened at her. Then they disappeared, and only subtle splashes marked the creature's way back into the darkness. It would not follow her out. The water was its home, and it was content for her to stay out. She had not been thinking. The doctor had taught her to be not only clever, but creative. So she receded silently to the thin platform. She pulled herself up and followed the emergency lights back into the complex. A little way in, she encountered two rooms paired off, one on each side of the hallway. She grinned wolfishly and crept into one of them. She mimicked Subject Six's pack call, projecting her voice into the opposite room. These rooms were cramped. Subject Six would not easily be able to turn around. In the distance, from the water's edge, she heard a burble. Slow footfalls came up the corridor. As it came closer, she heard a matching call and an unmistakable confusion in it. She called again, and Subject Six limped into the room. She sprang out from her hiding place, knife at the ready. Subject Six was defenseless. She raised her knife, and Subject Six gave not a roar, but a cry. She stopped, then lowered her arm. She activated her comm. Doctor, I have captured it. After an uncertain pause, Observation Lead answered. He's busy at the moment, working out a way to get the power on. Uh, come back once you've taken care of Subject Six. Taken care of it? I have. Observation Lead sighed, then spoke to her as if to a child. I mean, kill it. The beast watched Leela, curled up in its corner. Before she met the doctor, she would have made quick work of it. But now... Let me speak to the doctor. He will know what to do. I'm talking to the doctor right now, Leela. He says you're wasting time. Kill the beast and come here immediately. That did not sound like something the doctor would say. This woman was lying to her. I am Leela of the Sever team. I will not be deceived. If you do not let me speak to him, I will let this beast loose, and then I will hunt for you. Silence. Just as Leela prepared another threat, the comms crackled, and she heard the doctor's voice. Very good. I believe that should force everyone to play nicely. I should call the authorities about this from here, and I believe everyone here can sit and think about what they've done until they arrive. Well, that's my beast taken care of. What are we going to do with yours, Leela? I will bring it to the TARDIS. We can take it home. On your own? I could help. I will bring it to the TARDIS, she repeated. Leela sheathed her knife and held up her hands as she began to back away from the beast. If she gave it too much space, it would run again. She had to convince it to follow her. She mimicked the creature's call once more. Subject Six tilted its head. She tried again. This time, it answered. It crept forward, crouched low, ready to spring. Leela was just as wary, unwilling to turn her back on it. Just as well the doctor wouldn't be there to see her take the long trek back to the TARDIS backwards. She'd never hear the end of it. And so she led the beast backwards back through the silent generator tunnels, back through the greenhouse, and finally back into the maintenance closet where they had arrived. The beast froze outside the TARDIS doors. It gave an uncertain growl as Leela stepped inside. I know it is strange, but it is safe. She took a few steps further. The beast moved forward, sniffing the air. The doctor produced a crumpled bag from his pocket, and from it, 
a red jelly baby. He laid it on the ground and stepped back. If you come inside, I'll let you have this. Leela scoffed, but Subject Six cautiously crept in and ate the jelly baby. The doctor smiled at her smugly. She refused to show her shock. No need to stroke his ego further. Doctor, can the TARDIS find the beast's pack? There are too many variables. It's not as though we can ask him for his pack's name and address. Leela fell silent, glancing down at the anguil, pacing restlessly around this strange new room. It cannot go home either. The doctor grinned. Perhaps not his original home, but while you were guiding him here, I had a chance to check through the databanks for his kind. On New Ocala, there's another preserve, one that absolutely doesn't fall prey to people like this, chock full of anguil. We can take him there. After all, no pets allowed on board the TARDIS. New Ocala was a far more welcome sight to Leela than Muir. A vast swamp of murky, brackish water. Large trees spread out wild, tangled roots. A safe haven for fish and the young of other creatures. A maddening labyrinth for hunters. Except, perhaps, for a slick, cunning anguil. Subject Six wasted no time, diving straight into the water. Two sets of glassy eyes rose from the algae, watching the newcomer. Subject Six sank just beneath the water, showing only its eyes and snout, and gave the guttural call. The water bounced across its back, creating a beautiful display. Leela held her breath. If the others saw this newcomer as a threat... They answered the call with their own, setting the water dancing. Then, from all around them, came that same bellow. The Unguil welcomed one of their own. The pack's call still rattled deep in Leela's chest. It welcomed her as well, beckoning her deeper into the rich, alien world. The doctor put a hand on Leela's shoulder. Let's move on. Get some of that fresh air I promised you. I really wouldn't want to find out if they all enjoy jelly babies. Besides, I'd like to show you newer Carla's glass-bottom boats. She hesitated a moment, torn between her instincts and the restless curiosity that drew her to the doctor. A glass-bottom? Why would you build a boat with such a weakness? It makes it easier to sneak up on the fish. He strolled along, Leela right behind. Subject Six watched her leave. He made a now-familiar call to her, and she smiled. I do have a question, Leela. The doctor paused, glancing at her over his shoulder. Why didn't you kill our friend? He was at your mercy. Leela waved the question off. He was lost, Doctor. Frightened. There would be no glory in such a kill. Even so, he fought well. He deserved to find a home and a new tribe. Just as I have found one. With you.